John 21 1-19. We come to the third resurrection appearance, rightly, on the third Sunday of Easter. The disciples are now in Galilee, up north, not in Jerusalem, where it is probably safer for them. They must have been exhausted. Only a week or so ago, they were a merry band with Jesus. From there, they have been plunged into His agony, to His betrayal by all of them, His tortured death, they hiding in fear for their lives. To the news that Jesus had risen in their own encounter with Him and His forgiveness. If they were even still alive through these extreme highs and lows, it was just grace. And they still do not know how to interpret any of it, nor of their fate and future. John at this time, names a very odd group gathered. All of them are prominent for how they have set themselves against others, and failed. There is Peter, of course. The one who said, Even if all these fail you I will not. And denied Jesus. Thomas called Didymus or the twin. In other words, he had a twin by whom he was always identified. He was never given his own identity. Ever have a more popular sibling that people always came up to you and said oh, so you are so and so's sister or brother? I'm sure you love that. Then there's Nathaniel, from Cana and Galilee. The one who said nothing good comes from Nazareth. Remember him? Now we are told he's a Galilean. In other words, he would have not been considered a proper Jew by those from Jerusalem. And he has to find some place worse than his own, Nazareth, to feel good about himself. Then there's the sons of Zebedee. Who go and ask for places on the right and left of the throne. All of them have defined their worth in terms of competition and comparison with others. And there are two not mentioned. Why? We do not know. Maybe it is left vacant for your name. Two, the number which divides, like the others, maybe it is you split in your identity with all your baggage. Put your own name and the one you are in competition with, there. Peter echoes the state of this group, exhausted and unsure of everything. I'm going fishing. The easiest thing to do is simply do something uncomplicated, with which they are familiar. This is a typical man thing to do. I'm away, doing nothing, thinking nothing. Don't want to think. Fishing. Something he knows. Uncomplicated. And John, characteristically mentions, that it is night. It's the state of their minds, their heart and they catch nothing. As daylight breaks, the light of the world stands, dispelling the darkness, but not recognized by his own disciples who don't know themselves. Jesus asks them a somewhat sensitive question dash children, catch anything? The commission of the apostles were of course, that they would be fishers of men. Here, they are back fishing, and they can't even do that. Their old life doesn't work anymore. Fishing was not bad, but having experienced something so much greater, one can never go back. They are unable to catch anything. Throw your net to the right. The Son of Man is ascended to the right of the Father. When they do so in obedience to the Word, the sheer goodness of His act opens the eyes of the beloved disciple, if you recall, it is the same event in which Jesus calls Peter. Yet, Peter, caught within his own guilt and pain, can't recognize Jesus yet. It is John who starts to recognize Him. John, who in his own mess had somehow started to understand his identity in terms of the love of Christ. It will cause him to define himself throughout the Gospel describes himself simply as the disciple whom Jesus loved. The Father Himself loves you, John 16 27. This is the unique revelation that Jesus came to bring. We are unique because we are loved by the Father. That is what gives us our identity, our uniqueness, our value. It is the key that unlocks our life. When we are constantly defining ourselves in comparison with others, our life will not make sense. The disciples could not understand the meaning of all that they had gone through. And they couldn't recognize Jesus as He showed up in their life. But as John recognizes Him, He cries out it is the Lord. Hearing John say it is the Lord, strangely, 
It says, Peter who was not wearing much, meaning he was naked, wraps his outer garment around him and jumps into the sea. If at all, you remove something before jumping into the sea, not wear something. But whom does it recall? There was someone who was naked yet unashamed and when he sinned and heard the sound of God in the garden, clothed himself, being afraid. It is an instinctive action. Maybe Peter was thinking, he will not like what he sees inside. As he reaches the shore, there is a charcoal fire with fish on it. Jesus doesn't need anything we can bring him. He already has fish. And still he asks Peter to bring him the fish they have caught. Fish they couldn't have caught without him. Yet it is truly theirs. Jesus doesn't need anything from us, but our trust and obedience. Yet what we bring, by grace, truly matters to God. Everything we do and give is gift. The last time there was a charcoal fire was when Peter betrayed Christ. And now Jesus asks him, three times, Peter do you love me more than these? Why does Jesus ask him thus? Not to make him grovel in the dirt, Jesus has no pleasure doing that. Jesus knows that he loves him. But Peter needed the space where he can look into Jesus' eyes, make his confession and see that he is forgiven and loved. He needed to know that Jesus' love for him was unique, and his response was unique, not forged in comparison with anyone else. Peter has to know that he can't do anything on his own strength. He has to confess both his love and his weakness before Jesus can give him the keys to the church. The great things Peter would go on to achieve, his martyrdom, his sainthood, being the first pope to lead the church, all would come out of the sheer grace of God, of knowing he was loved unconditionally by Jesus. Without that, left with his guilt, Peter would have destroyed the church. Every week, we are invited to the same feast. Here, Christ can take on the weariness and futility of our work, our efforts and give us his body, this bread at this altar. Here, he wants to look into our eyes and hear us confess our love and our failings. And to let us know, everything has already been given in grace. Thank you.